1: After being warned that she would face certain death if she ever touched a spindle, Talia pricked her finger on one and then fell into a deep sleep. One thing is for sure, Sleeping Beauty is not a bedtime story. If you enjoy this episode and want to hear more like it, subscribe to Tales. Every Wednesday, we take you through the twists and turns of the dark origins of your favorite pieces of folklore. To hear the entire Tales catalog, you must listen on Spotify. A decadent meal sat on the table, but the Queen was too angry to eat. How dare he? She thought. How dare he do this to me? Queen Anne considered herself to be a very generous woman. She tolerated much more from her husband than she should be expected to. She could handle his inattention, his long hunting trips, even his wandering eye. But now, her position was under threat. The wench had given birth to children. But what could she do? Try as she might, she would never give her husband an heir. The queen knew that if she didn't act fast, she'd soon be replaced. Frustrated, the queen slammed her knife into the meat on her plate. As her eye wandered to the juice flowing from her uneaten steak, it came to her. A dark smile spread across her face. I can play games too, she thought. In fact, I think it's time the king had a taste of his own medicine literally. I'm Vanessa Richardson, you're listening to Tales, a ParCast original. Every other Saturday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. Today I'm telling the story of Sleeping Beauty. The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of Sleeping Beauty features rape, violence, adultery, murder, and cannibalism. Please exercise caution for children under 13. If you want to hear more tales, you can find all of ParCast's shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Giambattista Basile's book, The Tale of Tales, contains the earliest known versions of some of the world's most famous fairy tales, including Rapunzel, Cinderella, Snow White, and, of course, Sleeping Beauty, which was originally titled Sun, Moon, and Talia. Although elements of the story appear as far back as The Volsunga, a 13th century collection of Icelandic legends, and the 1330 French collection of romance stories called Persefore. Basile's version is considered to be the original written record of the tale we're familiar with today. The story was published again in Charles Perrault's iconic Tales of Mother Goose in 1697, Perrault's La Belle au Bois Dormant* or what we translate to Sleeping Beauty, is a much more sanitized version of Basile's story, with the goal of instilling good morals in children, such as the power true love has to overcome any obstacle. The Brothers Grimm repurposed the story yet again in the 1800s, using Perrault's more innocent version as their basis. In turn, the iconic Walt Disney Sleeping Beauty film, from 1959, was based on the Grimm's interpretation of the story. Today, Sleeping Beauty is one of the world's most recognizable stories, best known for featuring the trope of a cursed princess being saved by a true love's kiss. But in Sun, Moon, and Talia, it's anything but true love. What a splendid day this was. The great Lord Henry raised his glass of wine to his gathered guests. To my newborn daughter, Talia. The crowd cheered as they toasted to her health. But as Lord Henry drank from his glass, he grew pensive. Talia was his first child and there was no guarantee he'd have another. He needed to be sure that her future was safe and that his legacy would be secure. To that end, the Lord sent for all the wise men and astrologers in his domain. Once they had all arrived at his court, he asked them to predict Talia's future. Tell me what will happen to her, he pleaded. Tell me she will be safe. The wise men were silent. Tell me. The wise men shut themselves in a room for days on end as they tried to determine Talia's future. Finally, they emerged, grim looks on their faces. Lord Henry's heart sank. What terrible fate awaits my daughter? The wise men's leader sighed. There is only one thing in this world that can harm your daughter, my lord. The danger is small, and yet it is large. I beseech you, if you truly care for your little girl, you will never let her near a spindle. Even the smallest splinter of flax will cause her to fall into a deep sleep from which she will never wake. Immediately, the Lord banned the spinning of flax fibers and had all the spinning wheels in his lands destroyed. He would do anything to protect his little girl. Many years later, Talia was restless She loved her home and her father, but yearned to see more of the outside world. Even as a teenager, she almost never got to leave her home. And when she did, her father's guards constantly shadowed her. Today, like most days, she gazed out her window, wondering what else could be out there. But today, unlike most days, she noticed an old woman carrying a strange contraption on her back. Excuse me? Talia called. What is that you're carrying? The old woman looked up. Why, it's a spinning wheel. I'd be happy to show you how it works. Talia was conflicted. This woman, with her strange contraption and odd accent, was most certainly from a foreign land. Talia had so many questions for her, and yet her father was away on business and had forbidden her to leave the house while he was gone. But then again, he didn't say anything about receiving guests. The old woman came inside and brought the spinning wheel into Talia's room. Talia marveled at the oversized wheel and pedal. She asked, What does it do? The old woman smiled. I use this wheel to make thread, my dear. Here I'll show you. The old woman sat down at the wheel and began to spin rough flax fibers into a beautiful thread. The old woman's precise movements mesmerized Talia. The princess marveled at how such delicate material could be spun from the innards of a tiny seed. These little things were extraordinary. Then, one of the seeds fell from the old woman's pouch. Transfixed, Talia bent down to pick it up, and a small splinter broke off under her fingernail. Before she even had time to flinch, Talia fell to the ground unconscious. (sighs) Moments later, Lord Henry arrived back from his hunting trip. As he passed through the mansion's gates, he could see the figure of an old woman running down the road. Henry chuckled to himself. He had never seen an old woman move that fast. When Lord Henry entered the house, he was surprised that his daughter wasn't at the door. Talia was always waiting to greet him after a long journey. Talia, he called. Talia? But the Lord received no reply. He went up to Talia's room. When he saw her lying on the ground next to the spinning wheel, he cried out in anguish. His daughter was dead. Try as he had, he'd failed to protect her. But as he held her body in his arms, he noticed Talia's chest rise and fall. She was still breathing, but barely. Maybe there was a chance. Except she would not wake up. She seemed to be under some sort of curse, and nobody, not even the wise men who predicted it, knew how to break it. Lord Henry reluctantly accepted that Talia would never wake up but keeping her in his home was too painful to bear. Lord Henry took her to one of his mansions deep in the woods. Although he knew she would never wake up, he couldn't bring himself to put her in a mausoleum. He wouldn't bury his only daughter alive. Instead, he gingerly laid Talia on a large, comfortable bed. With tears streaming from his eyes, Talia's father gave his daughter one final kiss— then turned his back on her forever. She'd sleep in this house until her natural death. Upon returning home, Lord Henry found life without his beloved daughter too hard to bear. He died a few weeks later of a broken heart. The last thought he had was of his poor Talia, doomed to sleep forever in an abandoned manner. Yet little did he know Talia's life was far from over. Up next, her troubles are just beginning.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be
1: And now back to the story. King John basked in the warm sunlight filtering through the trees. Today was a good day. There was nothing he loved more than hunting. Aside from the thrill of the hunt itself, it allowed John to escape his nagging wife, Queen Anne. Listen to your subjects, she said. Give me children, she said. Don't lie with other women, she said. It was too much to bear, and he couldn't help it if women found him irresistible. He didn't choose to be this handsome. Luckily, King John could escape into the woods whenever he wanted, which was often. And who could stop him? He was the king. He called for a servant to bring him his most prized hunting falcon. It was time to begin the rabbit hunt in earnest. He loved watching his trusty bird dive through the air as it went after its helpless prey. In the air, it was as powerful as he was. He struck out his gloved arm imperiously for the bird to land on. But once the falcon's cage was opened, it immediately took to the skies. John shouted and spurred his horse to chase the itinerant falcon down. King John pursued the bird as it flitted between the trees. He'd never seen it act this way before. It must be after something truly incredible. He chased his falcon into a wide clearing in which there was a beautiful, stately home. King John could only watch helplessly as it fluttered into one of the open windows. Try as he might, John couldn't get the falcon to come back. He reluctantly went to the door and knocked. nobody answered. It seems that no one's home, sir. His servant ventured. Yes, I can see that. King John shot back. But I need that falcon back in order to continue the hunt. Fetch me a ladder. Luckily, there was a ladder around the back of the house. The servant climbed on, but King John pushed him off. The bird will peck your eyes out if you try to grab it. I don't need a blind servant. You're useless enough as it is. With great effort the King climbed up the ladder and heaved himself into the open window. The Falcon was nowhere to be seen. He called for it, then yelled in frustration, but the Falcon didn't come. Damn bird. John looked through the house. Not only was there no sign of the Falcon, but there was no sign that anyone even lived there at all. No harm in scouting the upper floors to chase out his Falcon. Then finally, He heard the bird cooing in a room at the end of a hall. When the king entered the room, his eyes widened. Sleeping on a bed was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. The falcon had landed by her side, seemingly just as captivated as John was. He spurted out an apology. "'I'm so sorry, my lady. I hope I'm not disturbing you.' She didn't reply. He moved closer. "'My lady?' Still nothing. He gently shook her, but she still didn't react. John looked down at her. He brushed a stray hair from her face. She was breathtaking indeed. And here, all alone. The king's blood grew hot with lust. He could feel the falcon's eyes on him. Get out, he shouted. With an indignant squawk, the falcon flew from the room. King John looked back down at the woman. She was so young, so still. He couldn't contain himself any longer. He climbed onto the bed and gathered her in his arms. She never stirred the whole time he had his way with her. If it wasn't for the gentle rise and fall of her chest, John would have taken her for dead. Instead, he took her warm, torpid body for his own. A short while later, King John climbed back out the window and descended the ladder. "'There you are, sir,' his servant said. "'I was worried when your falcon returned without you. "'I'm fine,' the king spat. "'Now help me onto my horse. "'It's time to return home.' With that, King John left and never looked back. Although John thought nobody knew what he had done, he was wrong. Two fairies, invisible to the world, had witnessed his horrifying act. They were too small to stop him, but they could still help the girl. They rearranged her comfortably in her bed and cleaned her up. A few weeks later, the fairies noticed the girl's belly was beginning to swell. She was pregnant. Over the next nine months, The fairies monitored her health, and when the time came, they made sure the twin babies were delivered safely. The fairies picked up the baby boy and girl and placed them at their mother's breasts. But instead of latching, one of the babies accidentally started sucking on one of her fingers. As luck would have it, this was the finger where the cursed flax splinter was stuck. The moment it dislodged, the mother's eyes shot open. The fairies shared a smile, having taken better care of her than they realized. What a terrifying dream. As she awoke, Talia tried to rub the sleep from her eyes, but found her arms occupied by... newborns? Talia screamed. The last thing she remembered was the mesmerizing spin of the old woman's spindle, Now here she was, waking up in a strange bed, undressed, with strange children sucking from her breasts. Shocked, she nearly threw the strange red-faced infants at the wall. But the moment she looked into the baby's eyes, Talia immediately knew that they belonged to her. When had that happened? Had she been somehow bewitched? And if the babies were hers, that meant there must be a father. The thought frightened Talia to her very core. Whoever he was, he had taken her without her consent. Uncontrollable tears streamed down her face, dropping on the heads of the children who'd been forced into this world and onto her. Talia decided that she didn't want to be around whenever her rapist returned. But just as she mustered the strength to get herself out of bed, a loud thump came from upstairs. Talia instinctively clutched her babies to her chest as heavy footsteps descended the wooden staircase. She was still weak, so she frantically scanned the room for something to defend herself with, but it was completely empty except for the bed. She braced herself for the worst as the door slowly swung open. Before her stood a tall man Please leave my children and I be, she pleaded. But the man only stood there, his mouth agape. After a long moment, he spoke. You're awake? Talia gathered her courage. She couldn't show this man any fear. Yes, I am, she snapped back. Now please go on your way. You're scaring my children. The man's eyes shot to the babies huddled in Talia's arms. He walked towards them as if he were in a trance and sat at the foot of Talia's bed. I owe you an explanation, he said. Realization dawned on Talia's face as she looked from the intruder to her children. I don't need any explanation, she shouted. You violated me. Now leave this place. She tensed her body, ready to fight him off if necessary. Who knew what this rapist scoundrel would do to her children? She may not have asked for them, but they were her blood, and she'd give her life to protect them. The man hung his head in shame. He opened his mouth and addressed her. Yes, I did. And that is fully what I intended to do once again. But now, seeing you and... These two perfect angels, I realize how wrong I was. If you desire it, I will leave this place at once and never return. Talia thought she didn't want him to know where she was in case he changed his mind about her or her babies. You stay here. I will take my leave. She gathered the babies in her arms and jumped out of bed. But Talia had just woken from her long sleep and immediately started to fall. The man caught Talia in his arms before she and the babies hit the ground. At least let me help you regain your strength. After that, you will never see me again, he promised. Powerless after years of muscular atrophy, Talia relented and allowed the man to guide her back to bed. Over the next few days, the man helped nurse Talia back to health. During the day, he would go hunt for food, and he would prepare her dinner at night. He helped her care for the children, and made sure the fireplace was lit at all times. Most importantly, he made no attempt to enter her bed. Talia soon found out that he was King John, the ruler of a nearby kingdom. John also told her the story of how he had impregnated her— The thought of it had made Talia sick, but at least he seemed truly remorseful for what he'd done. And if there was anything positive to be gained from the experience, it was her two precious children, who she named Sun and Moon. Finally, Talia was strong enough to walk on her own, and that meant it was time for King John to return home. As Talia watched him ride away, she was surprised to find that she was sad to see him go. Across the kingdom, Queen Anne was not happy to see him arrive. He'd been hunting for months, and now she felt that he was even less enthusiastic about running the kingdom than usual. He couldn't seem to concentrate on anything, like he was constantly daydreaming about some far-off place. It only grew worse. One night, Queen Anne heard her husband call out in his sleep. Talia, sun, moon, he cried. Talia, sun, moon. Queen Anne had wondered what was making her husband so restless. She suspected this Talia, sun, and moon were the reason why. The next morning, Queen Anne sent for the servant who accompanied King John on his hunting trips. She demanded that he tell her who Talia, sun, and moon were. The servant protested that he had no idea what she was talking about, but the queen stood firm. Listen to me, boy, she said. You have a decision to make. If you tell me who they are, I will reward you with riches beyond your wildest dreams. If you don't, I dare say the next trip you make into the woods will be your last. The servant didn't need much time to consider his options. He told the queen everything. She sat back in her chair, contemplating what he had just told her. Fetch me the children, she commanded. The servant bowed and hurried out of the room. Queen Anne grew hot with anger. So he thinks he can just discard me? She thought, it's not going to be that easy. I think it's time my husband had a taste of his own medicine. She opened the door to her chamber Fetch me the cook, Anne shouted. I want to prepare the king a meal he'll never forget. After the break, Talia fights for her children's lives.
2: Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear
1: Talia sat before her fireplace, watching the flames dance in front of her. She had grown startlingly fond of King John in their days together, but didn't think she would miss him this much. She gazed down at her children, sleeping contently in her arms. At least she had them. Talia jumped up in excitement. She knew that she had told King John in no uncertain terms that she never wanted to see him again, but in truth... She'd be glad for his company, but when she opened the door, it was only King John's servant. He stood in front of her, his eyes downcast. The king sends his apologies, my lady, but he was unable to be here himself. He very much wishes to see his children again, but his royal duties make it too difficult for him to leave the kingdom at this time. He was hoping you'd consent to trust your children in my care, so I can take them to him for a time." Talia asked him why she couldn't bring the children to the king herself. The servant shifted uncomfortably. She could swear she heard the jangling of coins in his pocket. "'It's the queen, my lady,' he said. "'The children she can tolerate, but your presence would be too difficult for her to bear." Talia reluctantly handed Sun and Moon over to the servant. She hated to be without them, but accepted that they deserved to spend time with their father too. After so many months, she believed he had truly changed. She didn't think it was fair to keep the babies away from him. Promise you'll keep them safe, she said. The servant grimaced. Of course, lady. And with that, he was gone and her children with him. Queen Anne smiled in triumph when the servant brought her Talia's children. There was no doubting it. They each had the king's firm chin. She feigned a smile at the bastard twins. Oh, you two really are delicious, she said as she pinched their cheeks. She ordered the servant to take the children to the cook at once. Tell him to make it a meal my husband will never forget." That night, the feast was laid in front of King John. He proclaimed it the best meal he'd ever tasted. Queen Anne laughed in delight. "'Eat, my love, eat your fill!' He raised an eyebrow. "'I've never seen you this cheery, my dear,' he said. "'Are you feeling all right?' "'I've never felt better,' she replied now. Why don't I get you another serving?" That night, King John slept soundly. In fact, he snored. But Queen Anne tossed and turned. She had taken her revenge. Why wasn't she happier? It had to be that wretched girl in the woods. What was keeping John from going back there and giving her another child? Was she doomed to repeat the gruesome feast again and again? The next morning, Queen Anne sent for the servant once again. Get me the girl, she commanded. The servant went off at once. It would all be solved soon. Talia was overjoyed to see the servant at her door. Her body ached to hold sun and moon again, but the servant came only bearing a message. He told Talia the king wanted to see her as soon as possible. But what about the queen? Talia asked. I can't imagine she'll be happy to see me. I don't want to come between her and the king. The servant hesitated for a moment. On the contrary, milady, the queen is very eager to receive you. The children have brought her immeasurable joy. She would love nothing more than to meet their mother. If King John could change, perhaps his wife could too. So Talia agreed to go to the castle. She missed her children terribly. But when they arrived in King John's kingdom, neither the king nor Talia's children were anywhere to be found. Instead, a harsh buttoned up woman waited at the gates. From her crown and apparel, Talia presumed she was the queen. Talia gave a respectful curtsy. Thank you for welcoming me into your kingdom. I know it couldn't have been easy for you. I promise I won't interfere with you and your husband. A terrifying smile spread across the queen's face. No, I don't believe you will. Come my dear, I have a surprise for you. The queen led Talia into the castle's courtyard. A massive pile of wood sat at its center, with a tall pole rising out from it. Talia was confused. John hadn't mentioned a propensity for bonfires. Will the king be here soon? She asked. Are the children with him? The queen smirked. Oh, yes. They're with him, all right. Talia's stomach nodded. She turned to run, but two guards blocked her escape. They grabbed her roughly by the elbows and marched her to the pole. Please! She begged. I never asked for any of this. The king violated me when I was asleep. Just give me my children and you'll never see me again. The guards ignored Talia tying her to the stake in the center of the woodpile. "'It's too late for that,' the queen said. "'Get the torches.' The guards nodded and went to fetch the torches adorning the courtyard's walls. Talia let out a wailing scream, but it was no use. The guards lit the fire beneath her, and she could only watch as the flames licked toward her toes. King John, who had been resting in his chamber, heard the commotion. He dashed to a window overlooking the courtyard and saw the guards approaching Talia, lit torches in hand. He sprinted down the stairs, making it down to the courtyard just as the fire began. The flames flickered up towards Talia, who was bound tight, once again trapped and helpless. What is the meaning of this? King John bellowed. Release her at once! The guards obeyed his command and released Talia. As she bounded away, the flames consumed the pole she had been tied to just a moment earlier. King John ran over to comfort her. After assuring Talia hadn't been burned, he turned to the queen, anger in his eyes. You would murder an innocent person for my indiscretion. Queen Anne grinned in delight. "'Oh, but you see, I already have. "'It was quite the meal the other night, wasn't it? "'I'm surprised you didn't recognize "'the taste of your own flesh and blood.' "'Talia cried out and collapsed to the ground, (laughs) sobbing. "'The king's face turned ghostly white. "'He knelt down next to Talia and gathered her in his arms. "'I swear I knew nothing of this,' he said. "'He turned back to the queen.' then to his guards. Seize her. The guards grabbed the queen. She protested, but they ignored her, looking to the king for his next command. He gave it without a thought. Throw her into the fire. The guards once again followed their orders. King John and Talia looked away as Queen Anne's screams pierced the air. Talia was relieved, though horrified, but the king was not done yet. Fetch me my servant and the cook who killed our children. They too shall pay for their treachery. The guards fetched them at once. The servant broke down in tears, begging for his life as he was dragged toward the bonfire, but King John wouldn't hear it. The smell of singed flesh filled the air as the servant joined the queen. Talia wretched. Did the father of her children have no limits to his brutality? The cook was next, dragged from the kitchen, covered in raw meat. He shouted, Wait! Your children still live, my king! You will find them safe and sound in my wife's care. Talia's heart leapt. The king held up his hand, and the guards stopped mere inches from the towering inferno. He commanded, Fetch her! But if the cook lies, his death will be all the more painful. Talia tried to wipe her tears. Could it be true? Could there be one ray of light on this horrifying day? A few moments later, the cook's wife appeared, sun and moon sleeping peacefully in her arms. Talia shouted in joy. The cook let out a relieved sigh as the guards released him from their grasp. With the queen gone, there was nothing keeping Talia from spending more time in King John's domain. The gallant behavior he had shown during her recovery persisted. Talia knew his love for her was true. They were married a short time later and lived a long, happy life together. But in all the years, Talia made sure to never approach a loom or spindle again, and the king never again felt the desire To go on a trip to the woods. The story of Sun, Moon, and Talia ends with this proverb. Those whom fortune favors find good luck even in their sleep. But can we really say Talia was the recipient of good luck? After all, she fell into a coma, was left for dead in an empty mansion, and then raped. Talia's story has a happy ending, but she was hardly blessed with good fortune. But viewing the story through a different lens, there is a lesson we can take from it. At its core, the story can be a lesson for young women and their parents. Consider that Talia's father will do anything to prevent her from harm, but is powerless to stop her from the sleeping curse. Many parents are afraid to see their children have to navigate the world, but like Talia's father there's nothing they can do to stop their children from growing up. Then there is the problematic issue of the king raping Talia. It's difficult to glean a lesson from his horrific act or understand how Talia could fall in love with him after finding out what he did. But if we take the brutality out of the act and simply look at it as a change in Talia's life that she couldn't stop, we can maybe gain some understanding from it. Growing up can be scary, and sometimes things happen to us that are out of our control. But Talia makes the best of her situation, and through her perseverance, everything works out for her in the end. So perhaps the lesson isn't really that some people are just inherently lucky. It's that life is messy, difficult, and scary. But if we fight through the pain, it's possible to come out on the other side in one piece. Thanks for listening to Tales. If you want to listen to more Tales, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory or listen on parcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, we'd truly appreciate a five-star review. See you next time. Tales was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Tales is written by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.